Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode of the Raptors of Everything Podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the new official food of basketball. So make sure you're never missing buckets. Order yours online at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors' 119-118 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, look, they, they stole this one. They stole this one. Um, you know, it's not like they didn't play well enough to win. They did. They were up 18. But uh, they gave up that whole lead. That whole 18 points was trimmed down to zero. It was a tie game. Last two possessions. Pascal Siakam. You know, got a bit of a lucky call. Uh, was there contact on the play? Sure. Is that always called when the game is on the line? Not necessarily. But when you're a star player in your home f- floor, the odds are at least somewhat good that you'll get that call. But he gets the call. He splits the pair of free throws. He misses the first one. Um, you know, after the, the Herbie told the crowd to shh, and everyone gets super quiet, and it's really eerie in the arena. He missed that first one. The second one was a little bit more noise, and he hits. It, he knocks it down. Um, Raptors go up one. One, you know, they go up one nineteen, one eighteen. Brooklyn gets the ball. They didn't call a timeout. They had one remaining, but they didn't choose to call it. 22 seconds left on the clock. Um, they tried to find uh, Karis Levert, who had been red hot. Karis had uh, 37 points tonight. He was uh, he was really just really going off. Um, and, you know, he had scored three straight baskets for the Nets. Um, you know, prior to that final possession, and and that's what got the Nets level with the Raptors. And you know, at that point, it was OJ Anobi who really, really stepped up defensively. Um, you know, apparently, you know, as told by Fred Lee in the post game interview, OJ Anobi asked uh, during that timeout, the last timeout the Raptors had, he asked for that defensive assignment. You know, um, Lavert uh, and. Yeah, it was a good, it was a really good call because OG hung step for step with Lavert. Uh, Lavert sort of tried an assortment of moves, tried to drive inside, tried to gather separation or whatever. Lavert's a very shifty player; he's a very crafty player, and you know he's been battling back from injury. And I think this has been his best game of the season. Um, you know, it was a situation where Lavert was scoring everybody. He was twelve of eighteen tonight, but OG Anobi on that last possession hung step for step with Lavert, refused to sh- get shaken. Uh, and then forced Levert into throwing up a terrible, terrible shot. It ended up as an air ball. And so that was great defense by the Raptors. So why am I saying it was a bit of a lucky win? Well, the ball, because it was an air ball, landed right under the rim. The Raptors were out of position to rebound because it's an air ball. You never can predict where it's going to go. It fell right into the hands of Joe Harris. And he was right under the basket. He put it up on the rim immediately before the, shot cl- uh, before the final buzzer sounded. And somehow it rimmed out. And the Raptors got the ball, and that was the game. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a fortunate one, I gotta say. Uh, was it the most graceful performance in crunch time? No, there were some things that looked concerning. Um, you know, starting with Pascal Siakam. Uh, you know, look early in the game, he was 
taking it to the hole. He was getting everything he wanted. Anytime he went into the paint, he was scoring. I got to say, the Nets early in the, in the game did not really play very uh, sound defense. They were very soft on the inside. Uh, they weren't providing much resistance. And they're also guarding him one-on-one, which, you know, you're just not really going to get away with that most times, you know, against Pascal. But the thing is, early in the game, Pascal was not really hitting his jumper. The jumper just, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's streaky for Pascal. Uh, even when you just look at the mechanics and everything like that, you never look at it as like a knockdown shooter. Can he hit the shot? Of course he can. Can he hit a difficult shot? Yes, he can. But is he necessarily a consistent one? No, not really. It's, uh, you know, it, there's there's definitely levels to it. And, and Pascal sort of, you know, if, if he is in rhythm, he will f- hit the jumper, but sometimes he just won't go in. Uh, and, you know, he wasn't hitting his jumper early on. And, you know, late in the game, what Brooklyn did to get back into it was that they started just playing more physical defense. They also played a lot of uh, Wilson Chandler and DeAndre Jordan at, in the forward spots in, in place of, I think, Torian Prince and, uh, and and Jared Allen. The two of them just weren't really up to task defensively, those two younger guys. So they brought in the two veterans to close. And I thought they were pretty good defensively. Um, you know, look... It's nothing that Pascal's never seen. It's not defenders that Pascal can't score on. We're talking about a guy um, who has done it in, in very, very important moments. He's the guy who hit the the, the layup over Draymond in um, what ended up being the game-clinching play in the NBA Finals. All right, So we're talking about a guy who can do things under pressure against very, very good defenders. Having said that, though, Pascal in crunch time, it just it wasn't working for him. Were they makeable shots? Sure, of course. I, I kind of feel like every shot Pascal takes is a makeable shot. But, you know, it became kind of predictable. It was always in the post. You know, Pascal got the ball, turn around, back down. And whether he wasn't physical enough to get to his spot um, or if he was just sort of a little bit um, too simple with his moves, but it was just, I don't know. I thought Brooklyn played really good defense. Like, it, again, it's something he hasn't seen before, right? Someone was sitting on the spin away to the, uh, the the sideline, so he couldn't really get to that shot. And then whenever he got to the middle, that's where, um, you know, there was a help waiting in the form of DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, his defensive reputation nowadays is definitely not where it used to be. Uh, he used to be considered one of the great defenders in the league. Right now, he's definitely not that. He's a little bit more lazy and groundbound as compared to when he was younger. Um, but, you know, DeAndre did a pretty good job protecting the basket and just being physical around the rim. And Pascal is just miss- missing a lot of shots. And really, that's what allowed the Nets to come back in it. Because if the Raptors just made a couple of, you know, baskets along the way, it, it wouldn't really have gotten down to that final possession. Uh, but Pascal couldn't get it done. Now, the guy who could get it done was Fred Van Vliet, who provided two key um, shots down the stretch to, sort of, to keep the Raptors ahead. One, uh, he collected a loose ball. Uh, got out and fa- on the fast break, uh, put his body into the defender. I think it was Joe Harris, and finished the layup. And he also completed the and one. Uh, Fred was really, really good tonight in, in transition. You know, other time he goes to the rim, mm, the results are mixed. I gotta say, you know, he's six feet tall going up against seven footers. A lot of the time that doesn't work. Uh, but in transition, when he's able to sort of get the bump into the defender, and and he, for him to be the one initiating the contact. And then sort of neutralizing the defender, making sure that that defender is knocked off balance and can't jump up and contest the way he normally would. Fred is then able to somehow find his angle and spin it and, and find his way to score. He's very, very good at that. Him and Lowry are very similar in that sense. Um, and he did a really good job with that. So he, he had the M1 jumper uh, layup in transition. And then Fred, uh, in a late shot clock situation, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most ideal possession. 
But, you know, end of shot clock, you have to come up with something. Did a little quick crossover on Spencer Dinwiddie and threw up this prayer, this rainbow arcing jumper that looked like one of Derek Fisher's joints. And it just somehow it bounced in. And that sort of kept the Raptors uh, in it. And, and, you know, Fred obviously is a guy who you trust to take big shots. Um, you know, you know that he's not afraid to take big shots. Uh, you know, he's he's willing to do it. And, you know, it, it's really just a shame because if Fred was like 6'5", instead of being like 6'1", which is what he claims, although I feel like it's more like a 5'11 situation. But, you know, if he was actually a real 6'5", it, it would be he would be an elite, elite, elite player especially trying to get his own shot because Fred is really, really good at, you know, he's got great moves, he's got great finishing touch. It's just difficult for him to consistently generate shots. And there was one possession after that where he hit those two back-to-back shots um, where he, I think he got either blocked out of bounds or just his layup went nowhere trying to go up against, like, um, you know, Jordan or whoever it was on the, protecting the paint for the, for the Nets. It's just in a half-court setting, it's just not the same. He's more of a jump shooter in a half-court setting. Um but at least Fred did his part, and you know OG did his part, and it's really just it comes back down to Pascal. Like you know Pascal, like I'm not gonna get too much on him because it's not like he had a terrible night. He didn't. Uh, he was really a big reason why the Raptors were up early in the game and why the Raptors sort of maintain a ten point lead for almost the entire game until the fourth quarter. Uh, it, but it's just you know you would like to see more of those moments. I mean I, I, I'm sure if you've listened to another one of these podcasts, one of the Raptors had a close game. I was focused on Pascal in, in terms of what he's doing in crunch time because that's that's ultimately what's most important. You know, sometimes you look at these games, you know, it, man, it's like a random game in February. They're about to get to the All-Star break. Everyone's exhausted. Third game in four nights, um, you know, shorthanded roster, no Kyle, no 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 Mark, no Fred, or sorry, no uh, no Norm. And you know, these guys got to be tired, man. They got to be tired. They've just been playing their hearts out against the, the Pacers in two straight games. And so, you know, whatever. But, you know, well, the things that you can take away are the fact that can a guy get a shot? And with Pascal, generally speaking, he can get a shot for sure. He can. He can. But can he make that shot? Um, can, does he have counters? How much, um, you know, what, what types of defenders sort of bother him? You know, what types of defenses bother him? Does he have weak spots in his game? These are all very, very important things because, you know, Pascal's judged on a different standard than everyone else because when it really comes down to when it's a grimy playoff game, you're going to be facing defenders tougher than, um, you know, Wilson Chandler and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, actually, right now, to be honest, Raptors and Nets are a 2-7 matchup, and, I, you know, even with Kyrie, I wouldn't really mind that. But, um, yeah, it's you know you're gonna face some tough defenders, and uh, you know you, you want to be able to see Pascal deliver in those moments. He has delivered in those moments overall. Um, you know we've seen him do some nice things. You know recently that game against the Knicks, the way he closed out in that game with that pull up three and also that driving dunk was great. You know he's had plenty of clutch moments this year, um, but it is a question, and it is a question because again that's what's ultimately gonna you know determine the Raptors' ceiling. Going into, and then how far they go in the playoffs because they're going to need that kind of production from Pascal and you're going to see him continue to grow in that sense too because you know you want to see more moves more counters more everything more trust in his jumper because he kind of abandoned that down the stretch as well um, you know obviously he missed a couple in the, in early on and you, generally speaking you want him to go to the basket but how do you get him to, down going downhill what plays can the Raptors do to get him you know deeper to post touches if he wants to post touch um, you know can he you know if he draws the second defender. Uh, who's in position where to sort of you know, capitalize on that with the pass, all that stuff, you know, the Raptors need to work on and just put a perfect. Uh, and, and tonight it wasn't really there for Pascal, um, at least in the fourth quarter. You know, 
in terms of everything else, I mean, it was just it was kind of a chill game. Like again, the Nets didn't really play their hardest until the fourth quarter, and they sort of decided to turn it on. And credit to them for making it a game. They almost pulled the Raptors in that sense because the Raptors have had lots of comeback games, comeback wins, and um, you know, not a lot of teams have done it to them. Obviously, in recent memory, you have um, their last loss was to San Antonio, which was by one point. They could have won that one if they just, again, held on to their double-digit lead or before that against Portland. Uh, and it, honestly, if you factor all that in, the Raptors could very well be looking at a 20-game win streak, which it would be historic. For some, it's already historic. I mean, f- 14 is already the highest in franchise history. And also, apparently, the h- ties for the highest in Toronto, like Canadian sports history. And I did not know that. But, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, come on. With, with a couple of those wins there, you know, they've, uh, they would be close to 20, if not at 20 already. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, yeah, um, <laughs> it's been the Raptors doing the comebacks. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is how you this is how you get a this is how you get a 14 win streak. You need a bit of fortune to go your way. Uh, not all 14 of these wins for the Raptors have been pretty. Again, they had to really close that game out against the Nets. They had to really hang on against in that win against San Antonio. They had to, uh, you know, they, they almost they blew that 30 point lead, you know, to OKC before they closed that one on. That was the first game of the win streak. Uh, the game against Atlanta was tough. Um, the game, you know, against the Pacers, you know, where, you know, apparently someone in the locker room was, was screaming, uh, you know, we stole that one, we stole that one in, in the post game. Like, yeah, you know, those are fortunate wins. But, hey, this is, this is what happens, you know. This is how you get a win streak. You need a bit of fortune. And you know, more than anything else, you need all your guys on the roster to step up because, look, in the course of the season, especially in January and February, people are going to be in and out of the lineup. It's the least important time of the year. Um, and your your depth is really going to be counted upon to sort of provide for you, and that's what happened with the Raptors tonight. I mean, the the, the bench was really, really surprisingly good, and, and you know, I mean that in the sense that at one point, because Fred Lee got two early foul calls on him, um, you know, he got uh, a loose ball foul and also a play where he apparently bumped. There was called a push off against Dinwiddie. I didn't really see it that closely. It didn't really look like that for me, but whatever. Um, Fred Van Lee got two early foul calls on him, so um, it kind of screwed up the rotation a little bit. And, of course, it's the second half of back-to-back, too, so they didn't want to extend Fred Van Lee's minutes too much. And so it was up to the bench to come in, and the, it, Nick Nurse actually had the audacity to play an all-bench lineup with Matt Thomas, Pat McCaw, O'Shea Brissett, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson, and Chris Boucher. Look, ordinarily speaking, that would be your garbage time lineup. Um, you know, this is your third-string lineup. And, you know, for, for the most part, it's just not a lineup where there's a guy who can consistently get a shot when you look at it, right? Like, I jokingly tweeted that it was give it to Matt Thomas and pray, but it was actually like that. But, you know, I'll, I'll give that group credit because, A, they played their asses off defensively. Um, you know, they really forced the Nets into missing, like, just a ton of open sh- – not even open shots, but contested shots. They got the rebound. They got out in transition. Um, they were not very good offensively, but they collected a lot of their offensive rebounds. Um, O'Shea got one. Chris Boucher got two. Randy Hollis-Jefferson got four. Uh, in all limited minutes, so those, those extra possessions really mattered. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I joke about it, but Matt Thomas actually was actually really money on, in terms of just running the offense. Um, you, you know, he – just did a, he just did a really good job of hunting and, and, and being staying active and repositioning himself and getting to um, positions on the floor where he was open. You know, he hit two corner threes. Um, you know, he hit a shot at toward, to, towards the end of the first quarter there, right before the buzzer. You know, he was running off the line in the corner. He takes one step in. You know, defender flies by him. Great timing, great footwork and everything like that to hit the j- jumper there. 
And, you know, I'm getting to this early, but Matt Thomas also had the KFC bucket of the game, which uh, you would not expect. And this is probably the most unexpected play of the entire season. There's been a lot of unexpected plays, but this one takes the cake. Where the KFC bucket of the game was Serge Ibaka running the ball at the top of the floor. Matt Thomas had been so hot with the second unit that he actually got some time to run with the starters, which is nice. He's a guy who's spacing the floor, and he was playing great defense today. But Matt Thomas um, was out there with the starters. Serge Ibaka had the ball on the, on the top of the floor. In a, in a Marcus type fashion, uh, Ibaka floated this pass to Matt Thomas, who was cutting across the baseline. Matt Thomas caught the ball midair, and in one fell swoop, he did a reverse layup at the basket, somehow contorted his body to throw the pass or throw the ball over his head and bounced it in for an alley oop. And that, and you know, this is this is something that actually happened. Serge Ibaka threw an alley oop to Matt Thomas, and it worked. Um, I, again, if you're opposing teams, you got to be sick when you see something like that, man. Because a, you know, Sergio Baca is not necessarily a guy who uh, you know distributes the ball that well. Um, although you know, recently he has been improving on that front, but still, not necessarily known for being a playmaker. And of course, Matt Thomas is not exactly known to be like you know Zach Levine or Aaron Gordon or something like that, you know. Um, but that was a great play, and I thought Matt Thomas played really well. Again, defensively, it's not to be overlooked. He had six defensive rebounds and three steals, which, you know. It just it goes to show that like a Matt Thomas as a rebounder, he's doing what he can. Uh, he has good instincts. You know he reads the ball well. Uh, he gets in the right positions. He fights for loose balls. Um, a couple of plays even that weren't recorded as rebounds, but he sort of you know just even the tipping the ball away from the opponent and things like that. Uh, you know the, the small things that really do matter. And then the, the three steals is more of a reflection of his positioning because it's not like he's got like incredible hands to sort of get inside and then pick a guy and he's not that quick or whatever. But, you know, his positioning was good. His rotations have been uh, steadily improving as the season has gone on from that point where he sort of had his back turn against the Williams early in the season against the Clippers to where he is now. It's, it's, it's miles, miles ahead of where he was. And uh, he really gave the Raptors a boost off the bench. But honestly, the whole bench unit did well. You know, everyone just did their part. Look, it's, you're not expecting this group to um, do anything other than keep the, keep the lead. That's it. Just hold the lead. Can you do that? Well, you know, today they actually did a really good job. Not only did they hold the lead, but they actually extended the lead because the Raptors really went ahead in that thir- in that second quarter there where they won 33 to 18, and a lot of that was just the all bench lineup. The all bench lineup turned a deficit for the Raptors into a lead against Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn doesn't have a great bench either, and they were missing a lot of shots. Like you look at Wilson Chandler, one for seven for three. Garrett Temple, one for four. Timothy Luwawu Cabarro is one for six. Um, you know, that's three of 17 combined. Uh, you know, it, it is tough when you see that happen. But, um, you know, the bench did a really, really good job. And even when the Nets starters came in, Nickner still pressed the Raptors bench to go out there. And they actually hung on their own. And they actually did a bit of damage to the Nets starters before the Raptors started bringing theirs in. And the benefit of that is not just that, A, it contributed to the win, but it really helped to keep the minutes down. Because if you look at it, um, in a difficult situation, short roster, Third game in four nights. Um, the, none of the Raptors actually played ridiculous minutes. You know, Fred Van Lee, 33, Serge Ibaka, 32, Pascal Siakam, 34. Those are the major guys. You're fine with all those minutes, really. Um, and to be honest, you know, if, if Pascal hit a couple of shots down the stretch, those minutes might have come down a little bit um, because the Raptors could have just closed this game out in the fourth quarter, but the Nets made it difficult. Whatever. Give them credit. But, yeah, the bench came in. You know, they held it down. And, again, 
this sort of just goes to show that this pattern is, has been there for the Raptors in this 14-game win streak is they've had multiple guys step up and have sort of great performances. You know, we've seen Serge Ibaka hit a game winner. We've seen Terrence Davis go for a career high against the Bulls. Um, you know, we've seen uh, OG Anobi have some great moments, you know, like today, for example, with that block. Um, you know, we've seen Kyle Lowry ball out just out of his mind. We've seen Pascal hit game winners. Uh, you know, we, we've seen <laughs> we, we've seen Mark do some really nice things, especially in that OKC game. Uh, we've seen Fred just be phenomenal throughout this run. He just feels like he's just been money every single game. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's yeah, it just goes to show the quality of the Raptors. Another thing that goes to show the quality of the Raptors is how many uh, undrafted points they got. Uh, first off, they had the starting backcourt of Fred VanVleet and Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis got his first career start at home in the NBA. Uh, real... <laughs> You know, he, he, he looked real nervous when uh, his name got called in the opening intros. He actually forgot to dap up Serge, who is at the end, past the cameras. There's like a string of people. There's like a line of, uh, of of teammates, and then Serge is at the end waiting for everyone else. Terrence kind of just lost track of Serge, did not give him the, the fist bump. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, he got his first career start at home, and you, you just think about it. Fred Lee, Terrence Davis, those are both undrafted guys. Anybody could have drafted these guys. And they did, but they did pretty well. They did pretty damn well. Um, you know, they combined for forty-nine points on eighteen of thirty-five shooting. Uh, that includes nine threes. And you know, again, it just goes to show sort of the Raptors' ability to scout and develop players. Um, Fred VanVleet was a four-year senior. He's short. People were like, you know what? We don't see the upside. We're gonna pass. The Raptors say, you know what? We see a guy who has a winning mentality he plays his ass off great defender great shooter you know has a presence about him as a floor general we're going to bring him into our program and we're going to raise him and at the time fred was one of four, the fourth string point guard fourth there was delon right ahead of him Corey joseph ahead of him and kyle Lowry ahead of him and fred had to slowly work his way up the ranks work his way up the change develop you know win the championship with the 905 and he got his way uh, until now where he's a starter and he's really blossoming. And, again, 29 points and six assists, uh, some incredible shots down the stretch in 33 minutes. Just an amazing job by Fred. Uh, and then you look at Terrence, who, you know, very similar situation. You know, he's a late bloomer. You know, he didn't really do much in his first year at college. Uh, he was sort of switching over, sort of focusing. Before, he was a two-sport athlete between football and basketball. And he shifts his focus to basketball. It takes him a bit of time to really develop and sort of get to uh, a comfort zone. Uh, and, you know, he goes undrafted this year, uh, but, you know, the Raptors see a situation where this is a guy with great size for guards, you know, 6'6", six, six, great hops for a guard, um, and even small things. like You know, the, the knock was he had a bad jumper. Well, then the Raptors took him in, and, you know, Terrence spoke about this uh, a couple of months back, but the Raptors brought him in. You know, they have these uh, sport view cameras all around the arena and everything like that in the practice facility as well, so they track every single shot the players take. And... Um, yeah, they kind of figured out, like, hey, Terrence, like, you know, they had they straightened out his back a little bit. Um, they just changed the way he was shooting and some very small adjustments. And the coaching staff worked on, you know, on just sort of adjusting the jumper. And now he is money from three. Like, he's five away from three today. He's over 40% on the season. Um, and he's just been red hot. In the last four games, he's averaging nearly 20 points a game. And he's shooting, like, 60% uh, from three. He's been really, really incredible. Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, that's another guy who... Came into a winning environment. He had to earn his opportunity. Um, you know, it reminds me of so much of Fred in the sense that, you know, when Fred came on, it was when Kyle got hurt. 
Corey had to start, Delano was there, and you know Fred had to sort of pitch in. And, and that's where the injuries sort of create an opportunity for guys to step up. And before that, they're just learning, they're just developing, they're biding their time. When the opportunity comes, what do they do with it? And Terrence has done the most with his opportunities. You look at his two career starts, you know, against Charlotte, awesome. 26 points, you know, overtime win on the road, second half of a back-to-back, uh, just a phenomenal game by Terrence Davis in that one. Made some key plays in the overtime. And then today, you look at it, 20 points, 8 rebounds. You know, the rebounding is very nice, especially the offensive rebounds. I just think, like, honestly, opposing guards aren't just used to boxing out guards because which guards are out there crashing offensive rebounds? Like, maybe Russell Westbrook? Like, it's just weird to see a guard go after offensive rebounds. But Terrence, you know, he, in, against Indiana, he has that putback jam, um, you know, throughout the course of that fourth quarter where he really came alive. And then today... You know, five offensive rebounds, and a lot of that was just him having a nose for the ball, having a knack for winning the ball. He's got a really good sense for how, the flight of the ball based on how the jumper's going to move and everything like that. And he just has a good timing, you know. It's not like he's crashing the glass and consistently letting guys, you know, uh, score in transition. There's not necessarily that cost to it. And he's just been really solid with that. And it's just a nice little underrated thing to have as a guard. So you look at the two undrafted guys there, and then you look at, you know, the bench too. Um, you know, O'Shea. Came in, played some good defense in in those in those eight minutes that he played was a plus ten. Um, you know, you look at uh, sorry, Brissett was that Boucher came in for sixty minutes, um, was active. You know, had three blocks, did a really good job protecting the basket. You know, size wise, he's just not going to be able to contain DeAndre Jordan and end up fouling a couple of times. But you know, he gave great energy in his minutes, uh, nine points, five rebounds, three blocks. It's pretty good production, especially in short time. And then Matt Thomas, again, another guy who was undrafted, who the Raptors saw, you know, uh, during the scouting process. Apparently he broke the Raptors' records in, in the draft combine, and they're like, holy crap, this guy can really, really shoot. Uh, he goes undrafted. He goes to play in Europe. He, he gets one or two se- years of seasoning after being a four-year senior at uh, Iowa State. And then, you know, the Raptors finally see this opportunity. They sign him to a multi-year deal. They bring him in. He's a little bit old for a rookie. He's like 24, but... When he's called upon, is he, is he money or is he not money, man? <laughs> On open threes, Matt Thomas is actually as good as advertised. Uh, and defensively, he's improving, which is, you know, obviously the weakness in his game. But, uh, you know, he's developed into a guy who can, you know, come in and, and, and get, get put in a shift. And it's just it's just nice to see, you know, overall. Like, again, was it the most impressive win? No, not necessarily. The Nets um, nearly stole it at the end. But, you know. The Raptors, they held on. They held on, as they always do. And now they're winners of 14 straight. They play uh, Minnesota on Monday. So they got Sunday finally to rest. Um, they play Minnesota on Monday. Usually, you know, you would think Minnesota's a win, but they just beat up the fully healthy Los Angeles Clippers uh, by a, a score of 142-115. to 115. So they beat them by 27 points. Um, yeah, you know, Timberwolves are a little tricky right now because uh, the roster is completely unknown. And you never want to play a team like that just because you just don't know what to scout for. Like, you're looking at Juancho Hernan Gomez in that starting lineup. And you're looking at, um, you know, Joel McLaughlin. Wow, Jesus Christ. The Clippers let Joel McLaughlin have what, – what, what is this? Jordan McLaughlin. My God. Uh, 24 points as <laughs> with 11 assists. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, you know – Malik Beasley's on their team now. James Johnson had 15 points off the bench. Uh, you know, they're, they're Alan Crabb now. Like, it's just a completely new team, unpredictable. Uh, you know, you don't really know what's going on. And I guess eventually they'll have D'Angelo Russell as well. Uh, you know, that that, that that game could be a little tricky. Um, but, you know, still ultimately a game the Raptors should win. 
And then after that, they play Brooklyn again on the road in Brooklyn. If Brooklyn continues to be shorthanded, I think the Raptors can probably take that one as well. So you're looking at a situation where the Raptors could be going into the All-Star break on a 16-game win streak as a you know clear-cut number two seed in the Eastern Conference with uh, three representatives in the, in the All-Star game uh, with Kyle, uh, Pascal, and also you know, Nick Nurse. You know, things are very, very good. And so in terms of your uh, three stars of the game, um, I'm going to give... We get Fred lead the first star, 29 points, two rebounds, six assists, uh, 11 to 20 shooting from the field, four of nine from three uh, in 33 minutes. Filled in admirably for Kyle Lowry as a lead guard. Look, I would like Fred to move the ball a little bit better as a starter. He does have the tendency to sort of really hold the rock, slow it down. Different style from Kyle. Kyle's um, more of a playmaker, whereas Fred is more of a guy who is uh, – has a pension has an eye towards scoring but nevertheless fred did his job and, and scored really efficiently came up with big baskets in crunch time um you know and just generally speaking you know ran the team well so no complaints at all he's the first star um second star for me i'm going to give it to matt thomas 15 points off the bench in 22 minutes six or nine from the field three or four from three at the kfc bucket of the game with that alley-oop from serge Ibaka. i still can't believe that that actually happened that's the only thing I remember from this game, actually, when it's all said and done, is that Matt Thomas caught an alley-oop from Serge Ibaka. Also, six rebounds, an assist, three steals for Matt Thomas. Again, uh, he was he's good, and he's a guy who he can rely on. Look, he's, pro- he's pretty much like the 10th or 11th man, but when he comes in, he's a specialist, and he does his, his specialty well. And uh, slowly speaking, he's going to become more and more well-rounded, and if that happens, you know, you never know. He could redefine what his career is about. And then your third star, look... Um, it's not necessarily the most productive game, but how could you not give it to OG with a game-saving block against uh, Lavert? Uh, Twenty-nine minutes for OG, five re- five points, four rebounds, and assists, two steals. You, you know, offensively, obviously, he wasn't as involved. Um, but I mean, hey, listen, that defense is what keeps him uh, as a starter. That defense is what makes him special. And yeah, I mean, for a guy who's six foot eight, he, he's got really quick feet. He's got incredible strength. He's got you know. Uh, just a pretty disciplined defender on the whole. Doesn't really foul that much. And, yeah, he just put Levert in jail. So uh, that game-winning steal gets OJ Anobi, or game-winning stop gets OJ Anobi the third star. In terms of your Joan Henderson Award, that's got to go to Karis Levert. Really happy for the dude. Seems like a really good guy. Um, reminds me a little bit of a more advanced Terrence Davis. And I feel like Terrence Davis's best-case scenario is sort of like a Levert type. Uh, but, yeah, Levert, 12-18 from the field, 6-7 from three, 7-7 from the uh, free-throw line, you know, Man, uh, 37 points as well. He just really, really was cooking the Raptors. Uh, And, you know, he's been up and down since the injury. It hasn't necessarily been the same. It was a big injury for him. Um, but yeah, wow, he was he was really really damn good tonight. And also shout out to Andre Jordan. He he really has a shout for uh, Gerald Henderson here because he really you know not necessarily played out of his mind, but actually played inspired basketball for once, which has not happened a lot for DeAndre so far. So. That does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As a programming note, I'm going on vacation for uh, the next two weeks. So, not really sure what happened to the podcast. Um, you know, if I'm sure while I'm in Mexico City, I will find some time to watch the Raptors. And if, you know, um, the trip is slow, maybe I can find a chance to do a podcast. But no promises. Uh, you know, but I will be back. If, I, if there is no pod, I will be back um, on Friday, on Thursday, February 20th. And so I'll be back for the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show uh, that's scheduled to happen on February 21st with me and Josh. Josh will also uh, hold down the the, 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 uh, 
the live call-in show uh, next Friday, so look out for that. You can watch for that. And Alex will be doing running back and things like that. So all the other programming will be there, but, uh, you know, for me, I just need a little bit of that load management right now and uh, taking some of the good weather in Mexico as opposed to being my minus 12 right here in Toronto. So, um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Big thanks to KFC for sponsoring the show. And uh, I'll see you after the All-Star break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.